Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, people, Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. Uh, yeah, guys, this week we are talking about the REM album Out of Time. Uh, we've been looking forward to this one, I've got to say, because obviously we both know this record a little bit. And after some of the shockers we've had this year, we're looking forward to something with a little bit of credibility to it. Um, whether we enjoyed this record, whether it held up, I won't spoil for you, but dive back into this podcast and let us know what you think. Um yeah, interesting feedback from the farm uh, podcast. Uh, hearing a rumour that someone from the farm may be getting sent it, uh, which is probably not the most excited I've ever been about anything, truth be told, because we did go in pretty hard on that record. Um, I guess, though, you have to stand by what you say. So if you're listening to this and you're from the farm and you're trying to find where I am to kill me, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Liverpudlian man, please don't stab me. It's just some opinions, but your record was shit. Anyway, uh, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by On The Edge Comedy. On The Edge Comedy is Brighton's best new act, new material night taking place on the first and third Fridays of every single month at the Carolina Brunswick Pub. Uh, entry is cheap. We have brilliant acts. Next one is on the 4th of October. Where we've got the lovely Stella Graham headlining. Uh, I say lovely. That's a terrible thing to say. It's very sexist. Very funny should be the first uh, adjective I use. I wouldn't say the very lovely Joe Foster, even though he is lovely. What a prick I am. Anyway, um, what's been going on with me? I'm still trying to set up a business. That's fun. Um, trying to do that. I had my cousin staying with me for the weekend. Uh, he made me go and see the Angel Has Fallen film with Gerard Butler in it. I mean, he's... Uh, yeah, he's uh, got terrible taste in movies. There we go. I uh, had to watch that in the cinema. Nine, no, £13 I had to pay for that. Dog shit. Anyway, um, without any further ado, I'm going to crack on with the podcast. I uh, hope you enjoy it. Catch you later. Welcome to Pop Collaborate and Listen, the podcast where we listen to every single number one album of the 1990s and review them in excruciating and sometimes tedious detail. And my name is Dave Fensom. I'm Chris Greer. We're here with Waffles the Dog. All right, Waff. Whatever, he's just at a bath, he don't give a shit. You can give a shit, mate. Floofy as fuck, though. Yeah, so it's been a it's been a, a long week for me. Uh, what have you been up to? I emptied out my garage. Because we were trying to get it set up for the upcoming studio. Yes, fuck that. Mm. Where were you? Where was I? I was at probably at home in bed. You fuck. Yeah, whatever. Right. It looks good now, though. It does. You've done a good job, mate. You <laughs> emptied it out very well. Well, me and my elderly relatives, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> My, yeah, my 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 wife's parents uh, and my parents all help, but yeah, my wife uh, Jen she managed to twist her ankle before any offering any assistance. So oh, she's good to planning, sit, mate. She'll just sit there, fucking oh, feet up. That's she's done well there. Shout at me when she needs stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then yesterday I had to go and do the exam to kind of get a 
a booze license. Yeah, you're getting your personal license. Yeah. So you yeah. can sell booze to the public. Yeah, yeah, just out of a van, moving van. That's definitely one of the... <laughs> well, it's just like an ice cream van. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things they said is definitely allowed. Definitely yeah. not not allowed. I shouldn't say any of this shit. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. If you're from the licensing board... True. You're allowed a sense of humour, aren't you? Or not really? Sense of humour? Yeah. What, for, for pub landlords? Yeah. Look at me, mate. Oh, yeah, I'm a lit- pub landlord. I've, I've heard some of your jokes. Exactly, there's no humour involved in this. Fucking hell, mate. No, just pain. Yeah. Anyway, right, so we are here to talk about... Uh, yeah, well, we are now into... This is the thing, right? This is episode number eight. Yeah. So we've done a lot of albums so far in the, in this 1991 series. Mm. We are still only in March. We're halfway through March. So we're still only in month three. After Time eight. marches on uh, slowly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is, we're looking at the period of the 17th to the 23rd of March. For one week, REM's Out of Time was number one. Wow. Yeah, indeed. And uh, I think we probably mentioned this uh, last week whenever we were doing our farm podcast that this one, we knew it was coming up, and this is kind of one of the ones I thought, finally, something I know that I'm going to enjoy or yeah. I remember enjoying yeah. and was looking forward to. Actually really looking forward yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I this this album uh, marks a very uh, particular time in my life with this i remember yeah. I, it you know i haven't i must admit i haven't listened to this album for years i haven't listened to the whole album for no. you're absolutely right no, for I, a long I, time i haven't listened to it for years and years probably the last time i listened to this would have been like 1992 or something really? like that maybe yeah, yeah. Right. um but yeah my friend my next door neighbor james he had this record he's the same guy that got the depeche mode oh Violator okay record. sure so okay he, he had it's he, a good uh, taste yeah good taste good Som- taste james fucking that's what we call him. somber taste he was really into simple minds as well so the, uh, okay taste james then yeah yeah and a, and a crowded house taste james, james, james. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just james yeah, yeah. oh okay jambo um <laughs> fucking hell right but um so he had this and you heard it from him first of all yeah i had a tape of this all right, I, I also had a tape of this. 44 of minutes, mate, pits perfectly oh, on one beautiful. side of a 90. It was beautiful. Of a, 40, of a C90, Jesus. Can't Did talk. you have any sort of relationship with REM before this album? No, wasn't aware of them at all. Not even like stuff like Stand or Orange Crush, which were sort of 89 in the charts? I mean, I may have heard Orange. I don't remember Stand at all. I may have heard Orange Crush. Right. Um, but but you, it wasn't resonating with you? No. Nah. Gotcha. Right. Okay, so, so this was your first intro. Exactly, I mean, same as most people. The you know the big lead single, but let's not talk too much. Well, about no, that absolutely. Until we until we get there, sure. Uh, so yeah, yourself. I do remember hearing Orange Crush and the one I love. Yeah. Uh, just in general, in passing on the radio or whatever it was, uh, I wasn't aware in any way, any any big way, who REM were. No. I wasn't uh, into them at all. Uh, I had someone had put on a tape that I had. Um, I believe of. Life Search Pageant was like 1986. Mm-hmm. And I remember loving that, but not even looking any further. It didn't bother my arse. Sure. Because uh, at that time, it was also difficult. Yeah, of course you know, it was. You, to, you weren't able to go in and just check out an album in case it was good. We've discussed mm-hmm. this anyway. Uh, so I had a relationship, but this was absolutely my first in with R.E.M. And so I remember very much enjoying what I heard. And I remember enjoying this at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I say, I hadn't gone back to it as a full album at all. Obviously, songs crop up in just general life. And you hear them, you go, oh, yeah, this is good. I forgot about this. Uh, listening to this as a full album, this pr- same with you, probably the first time I've done it since close to when it was actually sure. out. Well, you look, you've got a vinyl copy over there. I do, yeah. This, I didn't have this at the time. I've got a nice uh, 
a five ninety nine record fair version Sweet. of this on vinyl, and this was the only copy I ever owned. I bought this years after it came out. Cool. Okay, so let's start as we always do with the album cover. Uh, right. Okay. Well, the album cover. We, we are looking directly at it right now. Uh, I mean, I'll give it that it's iconic. I guess. Well, see, this is the thing. I mean, I, I was trying to look at this and go, is this a good or a bad album cover? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's a very simple kind of like. Like kind of shield stroke. Yeah, it's got like that ribbon thing in ribbon the in yeah. front of it. Uh, band's name in block font, yellow and black. I don't think this is a particularly amazing or inventive album cover. It's not doing anything that you're like, oh wow, that's incredible. But but you can see that from afar, yeah, and you go, that's like a time by REM. And that's it, you know. There's a there's a real alchemy in making an album cover. I think absolutely. And you know what the record ends up being can kind of redefine whether it's a good or bad album well, cover, oh, No, you're totally right. You're absolutely right. For example, you know, that uh, last week when we did Spartacus by the Farm, the album cover is a very distinctive album cover. You, you could see that from, yeah. you know, on, on a shelf, and you go, that's Spartacus. And had that been the best album you ever heard, you'd be like, that works really well. That album yeah. cover's wicked. But it wasn't. Shock horror. I mean, it wasn't, no. No, but this one, yeah, this is a much better album. And because of that, suddenly you, this image is infused with a completely different meaning and backstory. Yeah, I mean it's a classic. It, you know, so it was certainly a classic if you're of our generation. True. Yes. Well, and this is the other thing uh, because this is not a new band. REM at this point, it's not like they are uh, coming through and everyone's discovering them. No. We were discovering them because mm-hmm. we were 15, 16 at the time. But this is a band. 11 years into their career. Well, um, you say people aren't discovering. This is their breakthrough album. Oh, it's totally the breakthrough album. Absolutely. But they had so many beforehand, which weren't complete unknowns. Mm-hmm. They were much, much smaller, obviously. Uh, but they were a cult band at the time. People who, who knew them loved them. Yeah. And this was the one that made the rest of the public interested and aware. It's almost like there's some case for letting younger bands de- develop beyond the mm. one album and drop structure, isn't it's, it? Yeah. It's weird, You'd isn't think it? that, just, you know, from this case study. It's, it's like weird. It's almost like if you nurture artists, then after a fashion, they get better. I know. Weird. They find their feet. I mean, obviously, they inevitably get shitter again as well. <laughs> yeah, well yeah. No, Always. No one carries on forever. No, no. I can't think of... I, that's one of those discussion points. Is there anyone who's been going for, you know, 20 years who is as good as when they started or as good as their peak? No. Oh, no. That's a. That's what you're going to say, Tool. Well, I'm not though, because because it's, it's, the best album is Anima. Uh, okay, which was '96. But their yeah. their new record is so good, good for now. Oh, you know, yeah. It's, it's what it's what I want to listen. I'm more likely to want to listen to that now. Oh, okay. That's okay. That's true as well. It's, they, so it's like they've developed as you've developed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's just old it's man insane. syndrome, isn't it? Indeed. Indeed. But yeah. you know, the classic ones, Bowie. Mm-hmm. Okay, everyone loves that last album. But he just had a twenty-year period of shit. Twenty is arguable, and I'm not getting into the. I'm not, I mean, you're probably right. Well, it's twenty at least, surely. Well, I don't know. I mean, how, how much do you like the drum and bass album? No one likes the drum and bass album. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been critically reappraised. <laughs> I bet it fucking has because he's dead. That's what people do. Oh, uh, you well, all right. And yeah, no, no, exactly. Not- it's one of these things. So REM. Uh, th- this absolutely, this is them at their creative peak. I would say mm-hmm. because. Well, we'll get into it, but I think this is a fantastic album. But they've oh, blown they, it already. Yeah, they, this is their seventh album, right? Mm-hmm. So they have a swathe of stuff behind them, which people really enjoy and is still talked about today as some of their best stuff. Yeah. 
So this is, this is the thing. I'm just saying that this is not a new band. We were discovering them, but this is not a new band. So is this we, a seventh album? Seventh album. Anyway, well, look, let's let's crack into it. We're going to be here for a minute, I think. So uh, Sure. For, uh, so it reached number one in both the US and the UK. Mm-hmm. So this was the first one of theirs that did anything close to that. It was on the UK album charts for 183 weeks. Wow. So, you know, even though it was only number one for one week, which to me is surprising as well. It stayed in there for, for months and months and months and months. Lingered around the top end of the charts for a good while and then it just stayed in the bottom ends forever. Yeah. People were constantly buying it. It sold over 18 million copies worldwide since release. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, in terms of impact at the time, Enemy uh, gave it a 10 out of 10. Select gave it 5 out of 5. Pitchfork is currently at 8.4 out of 10. Nice. So it's still... Yeah, resonating with people. Mm-hmm. And it won a Grammy in 1992 for the best alternative music album. Nice. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I remember this being everywhere. Oh, totally. And I guess we were possibly coming to it late, but we were the perfect age for this album. You know, 16-year-olds on this album is ideal. I suppose, you know, 16 to 25, but we were absolutely in the age bracket. You've you got to have a little bit of angst in your soul, haven't you, really? Yeah, it, it, it was one of those ones where... If you're starting to get into quote unquote good music, yeah. this was a great one to have in your arsenal. Like, oh, do you like that new REM album? Is yeah. It, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's it kind of treads the the line a little bit, I think, as mm. well, because it, it's you know we talk a lot about people that don't buy records, yeah. right? You know, your Britannia Music Club people. Yeah, sure. This was a big Britannia Music Club record. It also on, true. Uh, you know, this was again a lot of the people who bought the Enigma album would have read something and bought this. That's true as well. Actually, yeah, it was an easy way to get a cachet of cool. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it did walk that line a little bit because obviously they were coming out of being this kind of indie rock band. Yeah. And this album did make them a little bit more in that kind of adult contemporary. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it uh, sort of swiveled them a little bit into that. All right, well, let's, uh, let's see how it's held up. Okay, right, let's get into this. So track number one. Radio song. Can't find nothing on the radio. Uh, you'll turn to that station. I'd forgotten that KRS One was on this record. Oh, really? I'd yeah. forgotten that he was on this. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good start. You start off with KRS One. You're in a good. Oh, start. I'm happy with that for sure. This could not be more classically REM. Could oh, it? This bit is. Yeah. Ideal REM. Yeah, yeah. When it goes into this bit, that's a bit different. Yeah. yeah. You got that big organ behind it. It's going to yep. be a feature uh-huh. throughout uh-huh. this record. But you know, you got that kind of lilt in riff at the start, and kind of the, the classic fucking uh, bass line. Yeah, oh, the bass line in this. On, on this bit of it, it's terrific. That, that bit of guitar, that jiggy 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 jiggy, yeah. that's all the way through it. This is like one of the more upbeat songs on the album. Very much. But it's still, you, that thing that you get from Michael Stipe, yeah. you always get from him, where it's like, you're aware that this is sad, you're not sure what it's sad about, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but you can't deny sad. Well, there's there's a, a pathos somewhere in it, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, he can't help but sound like... He's talking about some some depressing stuff. Yeah, exactly. Look, do you get the impression as well going, I mean, going through the? I mean, the, you know, was it, do you get the impression that Michael Stipe and Karis One have both got a different take about what this song's about? <laughs> uh, very possible. Yeah, you know, like, he, he just gave uh, KRS One like the title, 
And Chris was like, okay, I got you. Yeah, I know what this is on. Because it feels like, obviously, like the radio thing is being used as like a reminder of a sad song about mm. a relationship ending or right, something yeah, along yeah. those lines from Michael Stipe. Whereas, like, KRS One is full on that kind of fuck the radio. Oh, totally. You know, like we're we're you know kind of political slaves to the things that happen on the radio. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's uh, like, oh, you're you're not talking about the same thing at all, guys. No, um, it, it, you're absolutely right. Uh, it does seem that way. But Michael Stipe got KRS One in because he was a fan of uh, BDP. Yeah. And I wonder if he was like, okay, I can't really do this sort of thing. I can't do this political rant in the way that I'd like to, but you can. So maybe he's just going, that's your bit. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's because I mean, I'm glad that there isn't a full rap in this. They're, they're at the at the end, it kind of is. It's, no, it's not like it's not like all of a sudden the instrument instrumentation drops out, a break beat comes in, oh, and KRS comes in with like a kind of a. Do you know what I mean like a, a very kind of like devastating, scathing rap? Right. Okay. It's like KRS One comes in and offers some non sequiturs. Uh, right. Like, vaguely about the radio at the end in time with the track they don't like kind of you know you, you're not kind of hitting some massive break or no okay but I'm I, glad I, they don't do that no okay well that, would, that, was, that wouldn't work sure alright it's not like Helmet and House of Pain yeah exactly for sure okay you're absolutely right no it does I think what he does fits with the the rest of the song yeah I think it does work with it but it is I think this is a a three-part song to be honest i think you've got the the bit the the intro bit and the chorus where mm-hmm. it is the more kind of plaintive michael stipe bit, uh, singing you've got the verse where it's that bass line and the upbeat stuff going on uh the, like i said that guitar the ding, 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 that sort of uh full-on more straight ahead rock song or pop song yep and then you do have the end the last verse which is krs and a bit of polemic I think it's three songs, but I like all three of those songs. Yeah, I think this is a perfectly decent song. It's held up well. Uh, it's a good way to start the album. Yes. Uh, yeah, very yeah. much like and it. And uh, I think, I could be getting this wrong, but I think that they got a little bit of stick for this one because it was very poppy. Right. And so it does stand out a bit from other songs on this album. I don't think it uh, is jarring in a way that makes it like you shouldn't have put this on. But I can see what people say. It's, just, it's not like some of the other slower or more inner looking ones, but I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Um, and Stipe, he's he's quoted as saying that he hoped everyone had enough sense of humour to realise that it was kind of taking the piss of everyone, himself included. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not this uh, diatribe that he, uh, some people might think about fuck the radio, and it is a bit silly. It has got a bit of a DJ sucks. Oh, totally. Totally. And th- there's the thing, there is a message in there where it's about, because uh, at the time especially, radio was probably owned in America by you know, three or four massive corporations. Mm-hmm. And th- all they were doing is was running ads and playing the same stuff all the time. And it was homogenized. And it was a, probably, A, it's not good for the music biz because new bands can't come through. That's why college radio was such a big thing. And B, it's politically probably easy for people to get brainwashed into that thing. It's like the Fox News thing these days where everyone is saying the same thing and there's a message in radio, blah, blah, blah. So I imagine there is a message about that, but framed in this sort of fun pop way, I'm fucking wicked. No problem at all. Fine with that, mate. Fine with that. Yeah. Right. No, it's good. Um, This was one of their singles. This was the fourth single off the album. Okay. Uh, So it was like the last single... But I can see why they would do it. I think it's this is a I mean 
pardon the, the cliche, but it is a very big radio song. Mm-hmm. And also, I just reckon, if you have the word radio in your song, you're high, kind of halfway to getting people to play it on the radio. But they, they love that shit. Yeah, unless it's radio, suckers never play me. <laughs> well, maybe so. But I, th- I, I think this was a good choice for a single at the end. It works. Uh, the video is actually quite good. Uh, it's quite sort of artsily done. It's not some random rubbish. KRS-One is actually in the video. He's made the effort to come... Does in. he get a light bulb out of his pocket? He does not get... No, he does not do a rear. Do a rear. <laughs> <laughs> do a rear, do a rear. Uh, yeah, the video, this is, is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, it is strange when I was watching through the videos to see the band so young. Yeah. You know, what I would consider so young. Obviously, people who were in them from, into them from the start are going, oh, my, they're 10 years older than I remember. They are so young in these videos. It's yeah, crazy. my mug sucks just all cheekbones. I mean, yeah. when, when was he not like? Well, but he also he had hair, you know, in these. Hell, really? Actually, yeah, and well, all of them had. He had some hair. The rest of them had loads of hair, long fucking hippie nice. hair. Yeah, that's nah, it's good fun. I I really like. It. I think it, also it's a good opener for the album. Yeah. Uh, in, in the same way we always say these things about track one, I think this is a good track one because it's upbeat. It gets you in there, uh, and bam, straight away. I'm I'm in. And and you're in, and now you're in for track number two. Track two, yeah. <laughs> Straight away. What can Just you say about straight it? Straight away. The problem with this song is, what can you say about this song that you had that hasn't already been said about Nothing. it? Nothing. No. Nothing. I'll I tell you what I can say about this song. Oh. It's bigger. It's bigger than you. And you are not me. My mum came into the room and I was listening to this one. Uh-huh. Right? And she went, did she just say, and you are not need? <laughs> I was like, no, man, that's not what he's... <laughs> Why would you go there? <coughs> oh, he's got knock knees. <laughs> you are not yeah. knees. That's wicked. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking oh. little stealth this from Stipe. Yeah, yeah. Dives it in. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, this literally from the first chord. Yeah. I um, transported back the first time I heard this and saw the video. Yeah. Everything is just beautiful about this. Yeah, this is one of those songs. I just I remember just having this on repeat and just like listening to it. And when it finished, listening to it yeah. again. You know, yeah, it's it, a treat. This, song. yeah, it's a, it's amazing. Yeah, obviously, it's about obsession. Him kind of being caught out in like kind of liking someone that obviously you know is either out of his league or just doesn't like him back. Yeah, it's about him kind of feeling exposed as and like kind of being outside of the guard of that emotional safeness yes. of not letting people let, know. Let his guard down, yeah. And also being scared and confused and beating himself up about the intensity of his feelings mm-hmm. and the fact that he's obviously created these scenarios in his brain where that would be reciprocated right sure and you know it's a it's a, it's a really evocative yeah laying lyrics. yourself bare like that yeah and it's beautifully written it is and this is one of the things about rem and stipe particularly yeah is that whenever you hear the lyrics yeah there is always something going on it might not be clear it might not be obvious what is being said yeah. but it's not just the playground chanting of the farm that we did last week. It's not, uh, well, this will have yeah, to do. Yeah, he's always got something to say, right? Yeah. Uh, and look, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but going into this, I kind of felt almost, there was. I felt like there was this kind of sort of Damocles over me, this, this kind of need mm. to be reverential about this. Okay, right. You kind of feel almost like if you're slating R.E.M. for anything, 
that you're against the received wisdom of the wor- of the kind of the okay. indie world. Sure, thing, yeah. Right? And you know, there are moments in this record where some of the stuff is overly plaintively poetic. Okay. And if it was someone else, we probably would take the piss out of them a bit more. That is possible, yes. Yeah, and, okay. But, you know, and, 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 I, but I haven't really. So there's a pedestal that we are putting them so on. So I, yeah, I am aware that okay, maybe sure. we might not be, you know, like we always try and go into things with a positive thing. And I don't want to go into this record giving them too much of a pass. I mean, if you know what I mean. Sure, okay. But you also don't want to be the other way where you're going, all right, I need to find faults. No, no, I, I absolutely need to be, not. I need to be overly critical because I'm, I think I might be too happy with everything no exactly but it's just the, the, the problem with this song is i think this is a pretty much perfect song right i don't think there's anything wrong with this song at all yeah i would say it's one of my favorite songs really yeah. it's just ever. i, lo- I love i love this song uh, yeah. you're right every single bit of this works uh the the instruments the mandolin thing apparently what that was uh the, the, the mandolin riff was built around peter buck learning to play the mandolin and right. he just was like for a couple of hours and while watching the TV, recorded himself just playing and playing and playing. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the things when he listened back that he thought that could be something. Imagine that that could be something. That could be losing my religion. Yeah, you know exactly. that's mental. Uh, and so the the mandolin I think works beautifully as the bass for it. The the string bits that come in, the orchestral bits, gorgeous. His voice is perfect. It is a beautiful piece of music. Yeah. Yeah, great. absolutely. Um, whenever you saw the video for it, because this was all over MTV, yeah. I said, well, you know, I didn't have MTV, but whenever I got the chance to see this on whatever TV shows that were showing it, that was the first time I'd ever seen, you know, the Michael Stipe dance. Yeah. And I thought that was funny as fuck. I didn't know what he was doing. It's similar to the first time you see Tom York yeah. go for it. But as a piece of artwork, that video is incredible as well. That's amazing, yeah. I mean, this was one of the, I think around this time, you know, kind of this kind of bit of 1991 uh, I think you know. I was hanging out with with our mate Darren loads. Mm-hmm. We'd have been you know watching MTV around his house because oh, he yeah. had MTV. Oh, nice, right? You know, and I remember like we had a big sleepover for the '92 MTV Music Awards. Really? You know, yeah, the big, big one where it was Guns and Roses and Nirvana and all of that sure, kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean just up all night? You know, probably not even drinking, just eating <laughs> sweets. Yeah. Good times. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, right? No, uh, the, I think the the video oh, for this is is perfect. It's one of those ones where you could take a still from it. Often, yeah. and there you go there's a framed picture it's gorgeous and set the tone for the rest of the album because if, if that's the first thing you see yeah you see this as a band a fully formed creative artistic band yeah um with an image and all of that shit you go fuck it out okay this is this is something yeah and it's you know and it's different as well you know remember this we're still a year away from the big american alt rock explosion the explosion, yeah, when the, it fully you come know, in. And we'll see it towards know, the end of this year. And, you know, I'm not... Starting. I'm not... You know, there's a lot of great stuff happening in, in music in America at the moment, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm not aware of it yet. Oh, so, no, no. So this is almost, you know, this is, you know, this is kind of... People talk about, like, the sonic youth moment. Sure. You know, it's almost that moment. It's the, uh, kind of the harbinger of the things that are to come, you know? Sure. No, no I totally... I'm with you on that. Um, uh, All right. All right so okay, let, so there you go. Losing My Religion... Perfect. Absolutely fucking brilliant. All right, track number three. This is called Low. Now, just to, to kind of do that thing about not being on the point of reverence, this intro sounds a bit like She Fucking Hates Me by Puddle of Mud. Oh, God. Oh, damn you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Okay, that, that, let's yeah. have it again. I'm not, oh man, I'm not fucking wrong, am man. I? Man, oh, oh, you fuck, you're the devil. Because <laughs> I had thought, I thought like all the way through this, I had thought that's very Nirvana. Uh, but then Puddle Mod wanted to be Nirvana. Oh yeah, motherfuckers. Yeah. I mean, they just weren't. They couldn't possibly reach it. But yeah, I was thinking it sounds like one of the Nevermind songs. But see, that really super melancholy organ in the background, yeah. knocking with that vocal and the percussion. Obviously, it's sparse and it's atmospheric. This yeah. song. I mean, like if you've had just had a breakup or something, mm. what better wallow track oh, God, is this? Than is this? Yeah, totally. You can you can lose yourself in this one, mate. Just sharpen up the razor blades and run the bath. <laughs> and also, I do like it when the stipe is kind of in this lower register as well. That. Uh, obviously, whenever he goes for it, it's also powerful. Yeah. But this restrained vocal, I like yeah. it. I do. I, I struggled with this song a little bit today. Oh, really? Today, yeah. Because I mean, I did most of my listening for this this morning because mm-hmm. I just didn't. I was out of time. Oh, hey. enough. Um But so I, I remember loving this song, um, and I, I struggled, and I was in a really nice mood, and I struggled with it because it was it was too far out of what, the mood I was in today. I see. But you know, I've listened to it several times, and it, I, you know, I, I love this song. It's it's super 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 evocative. This song. Yeah. And it's a it is a little bit self indulgently glum. Oh, very much. Yeah. You but, know, yeah. It's REM. It is. Yeah. It's but I mean, all, like almost beyond. You know. The song where the word low is just repeated about low, 36 times. Low. Yeah, yeah, you know, indeed. It's, it's almost caricature of that. Okay, yeah. But for I what it is, yeah, that's what that's exactly what they want. Yeah, yeah. and as as we said, you know, this is this is this is the the vanguard of an entire genre built around misery yeah, to the true. greater extent. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do. I really think this was. I, mean, I, I assume that. R.E.M. in general had been an influence on Kurt Cobain and Nirvana. Yeah. But this one in particular, I thought, was the sort of thing that I can imagine Kurt singing this on that MTV Unplugged, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're into, you know, like kind of poly territory. Yeah, exactly that. Like that. Exactly yeah, yeah. that. that kind of something like that. Yeah, low, menacing. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Just a kind of psychologically scary. Yeah. And, yeah, imposing. Imposing is nice. Um, and I like as well that this one has no drum. No, there's no... Actual drums on this, just bongos. Just a pro- yeah, percussion. Yeah, percussion. A little bit of tapping in the back. Uh, so it's that, the organ, like you say, and some strings, and a very gentle lyric for the most part of it. You know, obviously it gets more passionate in, into the, the back end of it, so to speak. But I think this is a fantastic mood of a song. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned all the way through this record the composition of the tracks, yeah. the, the the depth and the kind of the additional instrumentation, that everything serves the song and it's all really well oh, thought out. And, beautifully done. You know, it's it's like, okay, right, we've picked the right tool for the job yeah. in each occasion. Look, the production on this is sublime as yeah. well. Because this, is, this? this I mean, is a Scott Lit one right. who they worked with for loads. I'm trying to think, I'm not sure if this was the first one they worked with him. Um... It might be the first or the second. It's weird because I've not read a lot of Scott Lit. <laughs> okay, Ian McEwen. Yeah, yeah. I've read a lot of Ian McEwen and um, some poems written on a cave wall. Yeah. 
Well, that's the extent of Scottish literature. What, just people scratching shit on a, on a I'm bus not, stop. I'm not getting into fucking insulting the Scottish. I love the Scottish. My wife is Scottish. My family is Scottish. And I go to Scotland every year. I don't... <laughs> True. I do not want to upset the Scottish in any... I'm part no, because they'll, they'll stab you. Okay, you're racist. You're racist. You're balaclava-wearing racist. You're fucking... Uh, um, uh, in terms of the lyrics as well, there's a bit that goes, uh, you and me, we know about time. We know how things go. They come and go. They live and grow. They pass and go and glow and glow up and down, high and low. Like that is, it's, it's, you know, it's death. He's yeah. just fucking talking misery and death. Uh-huh. But I like that. <laughs> God. Yeah, I know. Nah, this is this is wonderful. Uh, it's a gentle ebb. You know, it it builds and builds and then comes back down. This is also the longest song on the album and it's only four, four minutes 55. I, I have put it's a bit long. Oh, right. It, you could have done with yeah. a bit less. I, 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 I could have done with another day with this song, if okay. I'm honest with you. Or, or give, a different mood. Yeah, a different mood. You know. sure. yeah, I could have done with being in my normal fucking sad state. Right. Unfortunately, it's a sunny day. Yeah, I'd, I'd just yeah, been just out. I'd been out with the dog with that boy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We'd had a nice time. He'd he'd moonwalk through his own feces. <laughs> Good lad. Fucking dickhead. <laughs> Literally, just did his really wet shit and then just started kicking himself backwards like he was a cat. Motherfucker. Yeah. Dickhead. Okay. No, I, I get that. I, I, obviously, there are definitely some songs on this that are more geared towards this mood. Some yeah. that are more geared towards that mood. That mm-hmm. makes sense because there are different signs on this. But yeah, I think this is. Another beautiful song. Wicked. All right, well, should we take a break for albums? Yes, indeed. Right, let's do this quick. I see, remembered that it was albums. See, hey, see what albums are out this week. Right. Okay, so as I said at the top, this is another one week only. And there aren't an awful lot of changes going on in the top ten. Ten is Chris Isaac's Wicked Game. Uh, number nine is Joan Armour Trading's Best Of. Which, Lovely. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's a couple of good things on there. I like a couple of her songs. Number eight is 808 States XL, which we talked about last week. Number seven, Madonna's Immaculate Collection. Mm-hmm. Six, KLF White Room. Number five, and th- neither of us will have any idea what this sounds like, um, Barrington Phelong's Inspector Morse soundtrack. Well, at I, number five. Well, to be honest with you, man, I I probably do know what it fucking sounds like because my mum and dad watched every episode. Oh, of oh really? Morse, and I, see. I was probably not ninety one. I was out of the house a lot, but you'd have been the, in. around it. Car, and you got not a lot of places you can actually be on right. a Sunday night. You know what I mean? And Morse isn't the worst thing that you have to watch with your your folks. No, that's hardcore pornography. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, my, my dad had a particular. Of your folks. My dad had a particular taste. That he wanted me to know. <laughs> And then we watched porn. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I say this all with the, the absolute knowledge that they have no idea how to listen to podcasts. I know, you're safe. Yeah, you never send it to them. No, oh, no, don't worry. You're, you're safe there. Uh, number four is The Farm Spartacus, so it's dropped down to four already. Number three is The Best of Blondie. And then nice. number, number two is Chris Ray's Auberge, which has gone back up for some reason. Cool. Uh, and the only noticeable... Album that I could see was released in this week mm-hmm. because everything else is just nonsense. Is Halloween with Pink Bubbles Go Ape? See, like my favorite thing is you went. Everything else is just nonsense. <laughs> Here's <laughs> Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> because I I don't know Halloween's oeuvre really. It's not my thing. Right. But why have they got an album called Pink Bubbles Go Ape? That's I have no st- idea. Stunning. Man. Look, <laughs> people were like Halloween. All play the guitar. Right. Do you know what I mean? No, it, to me it sounds like 
they've done the thing where, that Party Cannon have done. So with putting their logo in ridiculous uh, rainbow font, so it's so out of place on a metal bill. This to me sounds like Halloween have gone. Oh, well, what we call it? Should we call it, you know, Season of the Witch? No, so we call it uh, Evil Fury. No, let's call it Pink Bubbles Go Ape. I I literally have no idea. Now I, it I, peaked at number forty-one this week, anyway. So it's not exactly you know shattering the earth with its uh, its metal brilliance, but it's the only thing I could find, if I'm honest. I mean, I mean, yeah, there is a song on it called "Pink Bubbles Go Ape." Right. Heavy Metal Hamsters is track five. What? Is this a piss take one then? I don't know. Have they done this to fulfil the contract? Uh, track number nine, I'm doing fine, crazy man. <laughs> Heavy metal hamsters. <laughs> uh, Pink Bubbles Go Ape is the fourth studio album by German power metal band Halloween, released in 1991. It marked the, repa- the departure of guitarist Kai Hansen with Roland Grappau replacing him. Or was he from their version of the Teletubbies? I have no idea. Musically, it was written with a softer, less epic, and sometimes humorous approach. <laughs> mm, really? That's what I want to hear. I want to hear German metalers, <laughs> power metalers' sense of humour. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh, my God. Well, okay. Which would later be fully implemented in the band's following album, Chameleon. I mean, what the fuck wow. is going on here? Wow. Uh, on the other hand, the track Heavy Metal Hamsters, supposedly written about the band's former record company, was intended, was according to Michael uh, Wykeith, never intended to be on the album, but rather on the B-side of a single. Right. No shit. Yeah, um, <laughs> indeed. I've had mm. enough of that. Right. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's good to know. I'm glad we, glad we find these things out. All right, let's go back into this record. Yeah, fine. All right, so track number four, uh, Near Wild Heaven. Okay, so we're into that kind of kind of country indie rock. Yeah. And this was a single as well. This is the third single. Got to number 27. <laughs> and that's not Michael Stein. No, indeed. Kind of a bit of a surf rock feel to this, almost kind of Beach Boys kind of thing. Yeah, I think. yeah, absolutely. Like, like particularly in the vocal harmonies. Yes, not, not really hearing those yet. They get more pronounced as we go. Along. Yeah, indeed. But you're absolutely right. It does sound like that kind of '60s US pop band thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the vocal harmonies. This is the first one with Kate Pearson from the B52s yep. on this album that we're mm-hmm. hearing doing the backing vocals. It's kind of got this real kind of like real bit of sweet reflectiveness mm-hmm. to it. You know, about because it feels like it's about, you know, kind of a, a relationship that's kind of got to that point of beyond saving, but no yeah. one's done the dirty work. It, it definitely is. Exactly. It's right at that bitter minute where you go, oh, this is absolutely never going to change. Yeah. Oh, we've got to do something about this. Yeah. And now you've got to do the mechanics of it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And this, we should point out, this is uh, written and sung by Mike Mills, the bassist, Mills, yep. which is why it's not Michael Stipe on vocals. This is one of the two songs on this album, which is done by him. Who was it that got into trouble on the plane? Was it Mike Mills or Peter Buck? Oh, that's a good question. I want to say Peter Buck. Right, okay. I'm not sure. Is that because you want to, it just sounds like fuck? Yeah. Wicked. Yeah, and you want to, you just wish he was your uncle. Uncle, uncle. Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, um, like I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure, but the, the lyrics you can, you can, like you say, it's about the relationship. Uh, whenever we hold each other, we hold each other. There's a feeling that's gone. Something has gone wrong. And I don't know how much longer I can take it. So it is these very downbeat, 
poignant lyrics, but it is done in quite a, a nice poppy way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I yeah. think, yeah, it's a real kind of, you know, there's, there's always a reflective sadness in these songs, I think. Yeah. Uh, and that's, but I think one of the things that I like about REM is the kind of that sometimes that juxtaposition between the music. That's, mm. and, and it's not like super jaunty because it's still kind of got that minor key kind of. True. Yeah, yeah, we're not in radio song pop territory. Sure. Here. You're absolutely right, but it's it's you know more jaunty than losing my religion. But it's yeah. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, you don't have to go far to be more jaunty than Very losing true. my yeah. religion. <laughs> it's called losing my religion. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, this song I think it's kind of quite big, open, expansive mm-hmm. sound in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I really like this one. Oh yeah, no, this is. Definitely. This is nice, but for me, it doesn't hit in the same way that a lot of the others do on this album. Ah, okay. Um, I'm not sure whether it's because it's not Stipe singing and it sounds like a different... It sounds different to the rest of the album to me because of that. But I do like this, but I don't love it in uh, the way I do other ones on here. Okay. I, I mean, I, I think I like this more than you, then. Yeah, fair enough. But it is great, and it's great, and it also works as a single. I think it's a very clever single because it sounds like a radio friendly song yeah uh, despite whatever the lyrics are and the misery in that it sounds like a, something you, you're going to hear all over the, the airwaves cool yeah that's no, good um next one in number five yep so this is end game yep i don't have a huge amount to say about it it's it's a nice instrumental song yeah i think it's beautiful I think, it's real. I think it's lovely. Absolutely I beautiful, yeah. I, 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 it doesn't totally grab me, if I'm honest with you. Uh-huh. Um, it's, but it fits very nicely on the record. Yeah, totally. Um, I think just look at this. Uh, this, on the vinyl, is the last track on side one. So this is kind of the sure. outro for that first half, mm-hmm. which I can see. I can see that. Yeah. I, to, for me, this could have been maybe one... I can't say verse because they're not verses. This could have been one chunk less. Yes, I certainly felt that as well. Uh, because all it's doing is doing the same instrumentation with different instruments throughout it. Yeah. Um, it's got the, the guitar in this one. Then the second one, there's kind of a flute and some pizzicato strings. Mm-hmm. The, then it goes into horns for the next bit. It doesn't need to be that f- full four minutes, but I think it's a really fucking lovely tune. Yeah, I, I mean... When you think of it in terms of the vinyl, it makes a bit more sense. It's the end of the first yeah, side. Yeah, nice. And I hadn't does. thought of that, I must admit. That uh, just occurred to me. It's, I don't know, I, I think it's a, a misplaced track on the record. I don't, it, it, it doesn't seem to, you know, when you go, you got Near Wild Heaven mm-hmm. before it. Yeah. And then Shiny Happy People after it. Right, sure. It's, it, it just it didn't, it, it didn't sit well for me. I mean, okay. For me, it would have sat better at the at the end of the record. Well, indeed, and it's called End Game. That yeah. would have made sense. But you know, mm. oh, it's okay. what it is. It is. What it, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think this is lovely, and again, it's, it's a more of a, a feel and a mood than a, you know a real barnstormer of a song. Yeah. I think it's gorgeous, and I think the, his vocals on it, sort of washing in and out, it's beautifully done. Like, the yeah. production again is fantastic. But yeah, it could have been a bit shorter. And like you say, maybe maybe towards the end. Yep. So as uh, as mentioned, number six, shiny happy, happy people. people. And everyone knows this one. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is single number two. This was also huge for yeah. them. I remember not liking this. 
Yeah. I remember not liking it. I remember skipping this on the album. Well, and you're not alone. This yeah. is their most critically derided yeah. song, especially on this album. And, you know, I think there's like a real kind of, there's a real kind of like dark underbelly to this song. Mm-hmm that I don't think I really appreciated at the time. Okay. There's a real kind of savageness to the irony of the song. Right. I just don't think I was capable of getting at 16. I, I didn't look into it that close at all at the time. No, I just assumed this was a nice, happy song. Yeah, and it isn't. Right. I, 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 mean, it, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are people that will tell you that it is, but, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it seems to me, uh, you know, to be obviously to be about, superficiality yeah shallowness you know shallowness antidepressant culture possibly all oh, right okay you know there's a whole kind We're of happy people yeah there's a whole idea you know, take me take me um mm-hmm. that kind of whole idea that certainly what i come away with this i come away with the idea that what it's commenting on is the fact that society seems to say that happiness is the only valid emotion Okay. That's the thing we should all be aspiring towards all the time. Everything else is... Yeah. Uh, Undesirable. Uh, yeah. Kind of the idea that sad people are broken. Yep. You know, uh-huh. and, and that's not necessarily the case, man. You know, all of these emotional states that we find ourselves in through life are generally there for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, obviously when you find yourself sad all the time forever... Like right, we, that's we tend, thing. We tend to call that depression. Yeah. And that's not very nice. But this idea that... And certainly it was very predominant in the 90s, this kind of bright, smiling, positivity culture. You know, if you fucking, if you see it, you can have it. All this kind of corporate fucking shine that I've been subjected to for years and years and years. It's like, do you know what? Sometimes it's all right just to be sad. Okay. And I'm extrapolating a lot. This is just... uh, This This is what you're getting. This is what I extrapolate out from the lyrics of this. It's not necessarily what I'm saying the song is 100% about, but it's no, no. saying it's what it evokes in me. Oh, okay, no, but that's, that's the thing. I mean, I'm sure Stipe would be perfectly happy with that because he's always said, you know, take what you want yeah. from my lyrics. He's never wanted to clarify particularly what he's talking about. But not his house. <laughs> you know, revisiting this song today, and you know, the problem is, we, we've talked many times before about the songs you didn't like when you were younger, you know, better mm. than the songs you like now. Sure. And this is, you know, such a big hooky song that it has, it's, it's culturally in my... Oh, and it was brain. everywhere at the time and is another one that has just stayed on the radio because yeah. it is such a poppy hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's inescapable. For, but, but to be honest, it's escapable for the band. The band refused to play it live, always right. have, and didn't put it on their greatest hits in 2003. Uh, so they definitely ha- seem to have taken against it. Fair enough. I'm not sure if that's because they wrote it as the darker song and everybody was like, oh, wicked, shiny, yeah. happy people, woo, fun. or And therefore missed the point and the band are pissed off about that. Or if they're just fucking sick of hearing it because it was everywhere. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. They did do a version for Sesame Street, though, apparently. Nice. I think it was called uh, Furry Happy Monsters, something like this. Brilliant. Yeah. I, like, I love that they've done that. Yeah. Yeah, and that that to me is probably much better use of this song because yeah. it does it stands out on this album as an anomaly I think in a way that you know radio song even though it's a poppy one it, it, it's not as saccharine pop as this yeah. one yeah yeah I I think I think I just found a bit of a a renewed love for this song recently. oh I think I I cannot fault this song this is a great song mm-hmm. I've heard it too much for sure yeah if I mean if you know not that I ever fucking dance at clubs anymore, but yeah. if I, you know, back in the day, if this is a song that was on, I wouldn't have danced to it. Right, I see. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you would have taken against it that way. Like, well, you know, unless there was a girl dancing to it that I really liked. Well, and that then I definitely would have danced. Like, but yeah. Yeah. 
I yeah, I don't know. I think this is I think this gets a bad rap from everybody. You know, it, people are scathing about this song. Critics fucking hate it. It's, I think if you're scathing about this song, you probably missed the point of it. Very. This is the thing, and uh, and that's why I wonder if. Maybe that's one of the reasons that REM just disown it now. They're like, oh, I can't be bothered trying to explain this anymore. Yeah, fair. That's quite mm. possible. Quite yeah. possible. Anyway, right. So, uh, so were we track number seven? Yeah. Uh, so this is belong. I remember this very well from the time from listening to this album. That's so nice. That's gorgeous. Yeah. The vocal comes in here vaguely Elvis quite uh, uh, almost like a 1960s politician's speech yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I put like a radio story yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah like I a think. new story NPR new story yeah. and then how far that oh is just right forward in the mix oh. straight away yeah and that ding 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 yeah like, oh, fucking beautiful this song and that piano in I could listen to this all day. Yeah, it's great. The harmonies on it are amazing. Absolutely amazing. I, this is one of my favourite songs on this it's album. Kind of, yeah, it's kind of got. It's just got this, this, this weird thing where it's, it's kind of got that like, that downbeatness to it, but it, it feels like a celebration. This song, definitely. It's got epic, soulful. It's kind of like church music for non-believers. Okay. Yeah, I like know? that. I like that. It's definitely got that kind of big rousing the, hairs on the back of your neck. Yeah. 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 I can see, I I wrote. Not to say elegiac because I said it last week's podcast. Oh, right. <laughs> I was like, I can't be the bloke who just uses the word elegiac. Okay, well, well, I'll do this. This is no, my you, turn. No, you can say it. Fine. But I can't. I right, you to... can have it next. Right? Yeah, wicked. Well, for the weekend, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're breaking up. <laughs> do you want to keep waffles? <laughs> no, no, you're fine, mate. Oh. Not if he's walking through his own shit. Oh, Smellagiac. Oh, Smellagiac. Anyway, cool. Uh, I, I think this is beautiful. The emotion fucking rings through on this. Yep. Uh, each time that he does the chorus of the big oh, oh, oh. Each time he goes a wee bit further, it absolutely slays me. It's one of those ones, I can imagine, you know, if I'm driving in a car and this is on, I am singing at the top of my voice yeah. to this one. I'm getting it all out. It's fucking it, I said, this hits the same buttons in me and um, like, this is almost, a, I mean, no, it's not a fucking confession. I'm not embarrassed about any songs that I like. Mm. But this hits the same buttons for me that um, fucking, what's the... What's the lead single of Selden seen kid called The Elbow Rock? One that day like this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, that is a brilliant, brilliant sing along tune. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just exactly in the same kind of soaring kind yeah. of just makes me want to sing notes that I definitely can't sing. Oh, God, no. If anyone heard me sing this, <laughs> they would they'd think a crime was being committed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and a crime is being committed against music. Exactly. But this is stunning. I, I, in fact, I probably think this is my favourite song on the album. One of mine, yeah, not mine. Gotcha. Okay. Have we had your favorite already? Uh, well, look, it kind of has to be one of those things where it's, it's like it's favorite song that isn't losing my religion. Yeah, indeed. It's because, yeah, the Madonna argument. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. It's, right. Uh, no, we haven't. We'll, okay. We'll wait a while for, okay. for my favorite one. Right. But even though it's a little bit cheesy, I love the the kind of the bass descent uh, yep. when it comes into. In the course of boom 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 that's fucking lovely. There, there is there is another bass bit on this later that reminds me of something else, and okay. I can't wait to tell you. What okay, that is. good stuff, good stuff. Uh, right. right, okay, singles. track seven are fucking brilliant. Love it. Singles. Let's do the singles this week. Nice. 
Okay, so the top 10, we'll start with that. And there's a couple of new ones in here that I'm going to play for you, see if you can get them. Uh, but we start with number 10 is Expansions Move Your Body. Mm-hmm. Number 9 is The Source, You Got the Love. 8, Quartz, uh, It's Too Late. But then number 7. Right, so instantly it sounds like the band. Jesus oh. Christ, I forgot they did this. I know. What a strange decision yeah, to do yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do, you know the, do you know the story about this as well? Is it, I mean, whether no. this is true or not, it was, oh, re- it was reported in uh, Smash Hits at the time. I remember reading this. Yeah. But apparently uh, Pet Shop Boys um, sent them sent you two a, co- a copy of this. Oh, right. Uh, and they responded with a note that said, what have we done to deserve this? Oh, <laughs> oh that's good. <laughs> Well, that's wicked. Even if that's not true, that's exactly I mean, that, what I'm telling from her. That's a on. fucking zing, isn't that's it? That's a great one. Nice one. Uh, yeah, this is a strange choice, I think. Yeah. It, it's, I will give you two this song. This is a, you know, a catchy tune. And therefore, Pet Shop Boys doing their version. Okay, fine. It's a poppy song. But I don't understand why they did it. Yeah, look, I love this song. Mm. I love this. I fucking hate this version. I'd say, right, yeah. It's dog shit. It's, 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 there's no need for it. No, no it's, point in it, it. It doesn't... It doesn't it doesn't um, do any of the things that the Pet Shop Boys do well. Yeah. It doesn't add anything to the original version. Sure. Uh, there's not enough, you know, it, it, there's not enough congruity between the two that there's common ground. And there's not enough, there's not enough juxtaposition between what they've done with it in the original for it to be really, truly, like, out there. Okay, right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, no, it does. It sounds like if jive bunny or someone got their hands on on it and just went all right just do a synth pop version yeah yeah and also it's because it, uh, it's where the streets have no name and i can't take my eyes off of you they go into that sometimes as well which is a bit strange i don't even remember that yeah. to be honest yeah. With yeah. but yeah I, I remember really disliking this at the time and you know i'm a pet shop boys fan right oh mate when they're good they're fucking brilliant brilliant yeah. but they've also got 48 albums or whatever it is oh yeah they've, you know um, but they've got a, one hell of a great hit oh, haven't they yeah for sure for sure uh, and, okay. and they inspired Dick in a Box no not Dick in a Box um, fucking um, Jizz in My Pants Jizz in My Pants yeah. is that really that was uh, a well, yeah, I mean uh, if I recall it was a horror film oh yeah true <laughs> okay <laughs> that's if you don't think that's based Jizz on the Pet Shop Boys My Pants uh, okay that's number 7 number 6 uh, Stevie B's Because I Love You the Postman song yeah. number 5 right this is, you're going to know this from the first second okay. I play it. Oh, maybe not for a second, but this bit. Hey, <laughs> Go on, Chesney. <laughs> Funnily enough, I was in Burger Brothers in Brighton yesterday. Yeah. And a man came in while I was sitting in there eating my burger and looked at the window with his girlfriend looking at the menu and he looked a lot like Chesney Hooks. Really? Yeah, so I mean, this is a rubbish story. But, yeah, well, but he- coincidence... Well, it can't is it be a coincidence? It can't be him because he, there's a one and only Chesney Hawks, not him. Okay, fair enough. Um, is he your buddy? No, that's not. No, okay, okay, that's enough. Uh, I have heard that uh, when Chesney Hawks plays live, as he does, this isn't a joke. All oh, right, okay. Um, that he opens and closes with his song. I've heard that he does it in the middle as well. Oh, really? I've heard, I've heard that he plays his song about three times in a set. <laughs> The same version, or like yeah, yeah. an acoustic version. I mean, there is an irony go the one and only, <laughs> yeah. and then playing it three times. Yeah. This but... is the third and final. 
wasn't it oh, we were tagged in something a while back because Chesney Hawks was offering kind of a Butlins weekend where you could pay about 500 quid and come and see him play and a couple other acts but hang out with him and you know eat at his table and stuff like that 500 quid was, yeah a lot of money for May, a Chesney I weekend I would pay 500 pounds not to do that <laughs> I also remember uh, whenever this was out, Mary Whitehouse experience had a bit where they were saying, Chesney Ox, uh, it's just a, an anagram of cheesy wank, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the extra H. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the uh, thing is, one hit wonder, totally. I hope he's made a lot of money off it. I hope he's yeah. you know, he can tour, has played this three times a night and be happy because that's a wicked tune. That yeah, is, it's, that a good is, tune. it's a great pop song. Then the rest of the top five, at number four, we've got Roxette's Joyride. Number three, Rod Stewart, Rhythm of My Heart, which I'm not going to bother playing, because no. why would you? Number two is The Clash, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Which means that Halen Pace is number one this week. The stonk. The stonk got to number one. That's bad. Yeah. They, uh, this yeah. must have been, they released it a couple of weeks. This must have been the week that Comic Relief was on the table. It is, because it's always around St. Patrick's Day, and this was the 17th to 23rd of March. Right, okay. So it, it must have been ramping up towards that. I, I'd have no idea when those dates are. Uh, that is your top 10, but there are quite a few singles that are worth mentioning here. So okay. let's, you're going to get some of these. At number 17. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's. Um... Uh, yeah, I know exactly what that is, but it's just fun. You're gonna, it played in indie clubs for yeah, years. Yeah, oh, it's, um, it's Happy Mondays. Yeah. It is Happy Mondays with Loose Fit. Loose Fit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's number 17. Uh, and that, to me, is a good Happy Monday song because there's quite a few Happy Monday yeah. songs I think are terrible. And well, in fact, most of their product I think is really quite bad. But it was weird to me that Step On was the one that always got played in the clubs. Right. And I think that's a much better tune. I like Step On, though. I, uh, maybe because I've heard it so many, I had to play it. In indie clubs, I was indie DJ for fucking years. Yeah. I had to play it all the time. Mm. Maybe it's that. I think this is a much better tune. Loose fit. It's got, it's got that kind of weird raspy vocal in it. Isn't yeah, loose fit. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, number twenty-one. Not going to play it, but Jesus Jones, who, where, why, was out this yep. week. Um, number twenty-eight. See if you get this. I wouldn't have got this. Is it ringing bells? Kinda, yeah. Hang on. I'm going to guarantee that you'll have seen these at some point and they will have played this because this is definitely one of the big songs. Oh, I know, I should know what this is already, I know it. Megadeth. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, oh, yeah, it's fucking um, not killing your business. Um, it's uh, Hangar 18. Hangar 18, thank you. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I kind of, whenever it got into the riff, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing this at various festivals. We'd have had this on at some point around the, the campfire, I'm sure. But yeah, never, I, don't, ne- never, I don't know Megadeth. Never been a Megadeth fan. Nah. Not really. I yeah. mean, you know, 
fucking guitar nerds love Megadeth, don't they? Oh, sure. And, I, you know, I, I had the one album that I liked, the one that had uh, Symphony Destruction. Oh, okay. Right. I, had, I had that That's album. That's enough. And, yeah, fucking came that album, enjoyed that. But I, I, the, the classics that people really love, I never really went back to them particularly. Gotcha. I know, yeah, I know the big fucking songs here and there, but I've never... It's, it's Dave Mustaine that fucks me off, man. I can't yeah. fuck with that guy, man. Right, okay. He's just such a... Oh, he is a dickhead. And I have no... uh, I'm not picking a side at all for, you know, the the Dave Mustaine or the battles that he picks. I don't give a fuck. But he's just a dickhead. It's more his his right-wing fucking propaganda. Oh, is he like ours? Oh, yeah, yeah, like real kind of conspiracy theorist. Really? Yeah, Obama this, Obama that. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a proper right-wing... Just because no one likes you, it's not... The world's Proper fault. Right-wing it's job. your fault. Well, he's a knob. Anyway. Okay. All right. All right. There you go. Uh, 26, anyway, that got to. Which is decent for uh, a ridiculous metal song. Yeah. Uh, number 34, again. You, you're like half a second in. Oh, come on. Yeah. Yes, sorry. indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Number 34, one of, one of your albums of the year last year. Mm-hmm. James Addiction, Being Caught Stealing. What a change. I remember having the 12 of that. Uh, at the time, I bought that time because it was getting played in all the clubs yeah. as well. I, I, that was I was that was the first time I heard James Addiction. All the clubs, you mean the one club you went the, to? The, oh yeah, the one in Belfast. <laughs> That's it. That's it. All, all like... the clubs, the one <laughs> club I went to. That was DJ'd by my friend, yeah, yeah. who borrowed my twelve inch of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number fifty six this week, and this is going to be of no interest to you at all. Uh, but it's a band called World of Twist, uh, right. who were uh, this kind of very out there, spacey indie band at the time. This is called Sons of the Stage, right? And I fucking love this song. I remember uh, really enjoying this at the time. It's kind of the pounding, a bit psychedelic. I, I it was new to me anyway in, in yeah. 1991. Big fan of it. It reminded whenever Secret Machines came out. Yeah. Some of their stuff reminded me of okay. this by World of kind Twist. Kind of big, spacey, but, Yeah, absolutely. But then World of Twist are also a little bit of a punchline because they they had two singles that people liked and nothing else. Right. That was it. And people go, oh, yeah, it's, it's a bit like World of Twist. And then you go, who? At yeah. that point. But bless them. Bless them. They had a song I like. Uh, um, I won't bother playing it, but Judas Priest's A Touch of Evil was nice. at number 58. And then at 61, and I have to play this one off the YouTube because it's not on Spotify for some reason. Absolutely, this is a fucking tune. That's a ripper, mate. Yeah, this is like proper, ridiculous, big hip hop. Dope demand as well. Wait, a, the follow, follow up single, man, is is the one that didn't get any love. Must, you, but you're, you love that one. Must be the music. It's yeah. fucking brilliant. Yeah, I remember you. You're a big fan. Of, you you had the twelve, but you gave to me. Yes. Uh, and then last one I've got on here, number eighty one. Oh, I'm not going to bother playing this. David Lee Roth with Sensible Shoes. No, I don't want to hear that. No, I don't understand why he's got a song called Sensible Shoes for a start. Well, maybe it just means cowboy boots. Ah, oh, sensible. Yeah, yeah. But there you go. There's your singles. That's a, a nice little mixture, I feel. That was a good week. After yeah. some of the weeks we've had recently, we're, yeah, I, I feel like I feel a lot more positive about music again this week. <laughs> suddenly there's good shit around. Yeah, yeah. suddenly <laughs> every part of me What's that from? needs to know every part of you. Oh, I know this. That's uh, Suddenly by Angry Anderson. Oh, fucking hell. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> I see. Love theme from Neighbours. Yeah. Yeah. Great. All right. On that note, let's get back into R.E.M. And we are at track number eight, uh, which is Half a World Away. Half a World Away. Okay, so we're back into that kind of country-ish feeling yeah. with Mandolin the organ. Yeah. yeah, organs kind of setting the tone. And yeah. you like know already, this isn't going to be a happy song. Oh, no. <laughs> Straight away. It's just that. No one, does anyone really do that deeply melancholic thing better oh, than so good. And the fro- phrase in this vocal is quite interesting as well. All right. It's like a knock. Yeah, because that wasn't on beat. Yeah. yeah. It just kind of swells and oh. like, it just does. It's like it kind of doesn't really matter what he's saying. Mm-hmm. You get it from the way he's saying. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You know, you're like so evocative. Yeah. Exactly. I've got evocative written here. Yeah. I, I, I've just put just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, a, yeah. this is a brilliant song. Uh, I I remember as well. First time I heard this album when I was going through it. This absolutely stands out yeah. as a huge tune. Fucking massive. It gets under your skin. Yeah, it? Oh, it really does. Exactly. It hooks you. It really does. Uh, this, this kind of the sing song of the chorus bit, it's, it's another one that you find yourself getting just sucked into. Yep. Um, when the line's like, my hand's tired, my heart aches, I'm half world away. It, it does just fucking... Again, like you said before, it's sad, but there's a joy in the sadness. Yep. And there's a feeling of maybe release mm-hmm. by saying these things and singing it. Yeah. That, that gets you out of the melancholy. Being yeah, being untethered kind yeah, of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. I could listen to this just fucking over and over and over. Great song, man. Yeah. And, like, and when these strings kind of come in underneath the intro, uh, so the outro mm. just takes it up to a whole other level. I mean, the, the string arrangements on this record are flawless. You spa- sparingly, but they're f- when they're in uh, there, they're like absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That is something I th- suspect that Scott lit helped with because yeah. you can hear it in a lot of the, the other albums that he worked with them on um, and presumably as well they had a more of a budget for this so you're saying that like a, a lot of Scottish people had written about these and they used the books that they'd written to I think, I think we did this didn't we did, did we, we do this bit or did we do that already yeah we? damn it if you say things over and over again they become catchphrases oh shit we haven't be... got a catchphrase actually we have got a catchphrase for this podcast it's, <laughs> it's, it's coming, coming out, out. yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah. you don't ever hear those bits. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the bits we'll get sued for saying. Exactly. And if you think about some of the things we leave in. That's true, yeah. yeah imagine anyway. the stuff that we think, maybe we've gone too far. We've got a review of Michael Jackson album in a few weeks, haven't yeah, we? we do, yeah. It's the last that, one of the night. We're going to need like about seven hours to record it in <laughs> 20 minutes to put it out. Yeah. Well, that's that, that's down the line. Look forward to that, people. Anyway, so yes, loved um, it. Also, this was the song that they uh, played. Do you remember, you know, the No Nirvana episode of The Late Show? Yes. In From 93. This ah, is the one they did on that. I remember nice. thinking that was beautifully done, the live nice, version of that. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I, I was too busy being blown away by Rage Against the Machine oh, to remember Christ. much of anything Fucking else in that. What? That one programme, yeah. it, it made me go, uh, James Addiction, 
I've never seen a drummer like that. Yeah. Right. I, I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. It made me go, fuck, I should check out Pearl Jam. Yeah. And Alison Chains. Yeah. Just, Screaming Trees. Oh, Screaming Trees. Yeah. And it made me go, oh, that Sugar song that I've heard, that's one of their best songs, apparently. Mm-hmm. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, if anyone is kind of our age and lived in the UK and was into this sort of music, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. This is this episode of an arts program on BBC Two, the Late Show, the Late Show, and they did uh, a, an episode ninety three, which was loads of the American alt rock, mm-hmm. and it was seminal, absolutely seminal. It's all on YouTube. Go and have a look. Uh, but back to this song, Half World Away. It's fucking beautiful. It's the instrumentation is perfect all of it it's a beautiful tune but it's his voice all the way on this one is that's what makes it for me it's sublime it's absolutely sublime and i love there's a line in it that just gets me as well the storm it came up strong it shook the trees and it blew away our fear i, I don't know what he's talking about but that's a great line yeah of course it that is and a that's a great line, line. That's, a, that's a good story yeah it, it, it's it, one it, hell of a story <laughs> There you go. Exactly. We said evocative. It is. It's imagery and it's everything. All of it is all catalyst. Mm. So much catalyst for you know other thoughts and you know when we're talking you know when I was talking about uh, shiny happy people. Yeah. Now that's not maybe what the, the whole point of it was, but it's the all of this is it's it's kind it's of a, a spark. A, it's like a fertile breeding ground for you yeah. to go off with your own thoughts and ideas, and it's kind of. The music's kind of hitting emotional buttons, and yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's what music at its best is for oh, me. Yeah, true, true. So you're just there going, oh, what is this? And you're kind of just going off and you're thinking about it, and it'll set you in like directions of travel that you might not have found otherwise. Okay, nice. And then when you go back and you hear the song again, then you'd be reminded of those ideas, and sometimes like you'll take those ideas further the more you listen to a song, right? Uh, you Change know, it, it's just it. a stupid stuff. You know, stop like listening back to these records. It just puts me back in 1991. Oh, it absolutely does that for me. Uh, this is one of the the ones, especially of the ones we've had to listen to. Actually, for the the whole two seasons we've done. Yeah. This more than any so far, I would say, puts me back in in a place where I'm like I'm 16 and I'm listening to this and being absolutely flabbergasted. Yeah. I mean, this and Depeche Mode for me. Okay. Yeah. True. You had a much bigger relationship with that at the time. Yeah. yeah. But this is. Totally, it's a time capsule, and it's fucking beautiful time yeah, capsule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is, man. It really yeah. is. Right. So number next nine, track, number nine, Texarkana. So this is the second of the Mike Mills songs yes. on here. A little more upbeat. Yeah. Got a slide guitar on the go. Yeah. yeah. But this is the one with the bass sound that sounds like another song. Oh, that do 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 that bit. Yeah, okay. sounds like Danger Zone. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, wicked. It really I like does. That. <laughs> no, but as, it, as it comes into the chorus, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the rest is this is more like a straight ahead college rock, college rock song. Yeah. So thank to it, it's. By no means my favourite song. On no, track. no. It's an album. It, this is an ordinary song comparison. Yeah. As it, as, as it comes out of the chorus, that's what. Yeah, okay. That bit, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. 
again, you know, you've got the strings in there and they do lift the whole thing to something a little bit mm-hmm. less ordinary, I mm-hmm. think. Even at its worst, this album is never completely mundane. Oh, no, absolutely not. This is still a good song. Yeah, it's still a good song. Well, it's still a good song. But fucking hell, it's got some stiff competition. You know, you're up against a lot of amazing yeah. songs. Yeah, I've got, I've not got, I've got not got loads of notes on this one to be honest with no, you. I got, I got two lines on yeah, this. Yeah, that's all I got. All right, so let's let's move on then. Yeah. Number ten was country feedback. Okay. One, two, three, four. So there's your country. Yeah. Big open guitar. It's kind of got a. I don't know, it's kind of got a, a, a cinematic feel to it a little bit. This. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot more down tempo. Back in that ambiguous sad. Yeah, there's your feedback. He's down in that lower register. Yep. I read that apparently Stipe claimed that he didn't even write a whole lyric down when he was recording this. Right. He had a piece of paper with a few words and he went in and ad-libbed the whole thing and left it. That walked out, that was it, and this is the take they used. Right. It, it, yeah, it sounds like he was in a fucking weird place when he was recording this. It's some shit to say and just got it all out. Yeah, I mean... I don't love this one. No, I... I... I appreciate it. I think it's a very interesting song. I think uh, in terms of his delivery, it's, it's different. Yeah. It's the only one on here that's marked explicit on Spotify because mm-hmm. he's got that fuck off line in it. So he's he's angry, I think, at this one. It's about contemplating the end of a relationship again. Yeah. It's along those lines. So I think there's uh, a real churning going on in his head and he's not happy about something. Uh, Tune-wise, it's okay. I think it's fine. But yeah. no, it, it's not. It's not a memorable one. You can't hum this. I don't know. It, it, it's it's got a lot of the, the same beats as some of the other stuff are on here, but not done quite as well. I guess. Okay, so that's kind of partially my my problem with it. And it, it, that is damning with faint praise. Um, mm. You know, and as you said a minute ago, it's, you know, it has got a lot of competition. Yeah, this you know on a this, it's still a record that's of interest. It's still a record that oh know, totally. Uh, but and the, you know, again, his because as it, as it goes on, he's getting more and more passionate, and he's getting into the higher registers. He's getting louder. He's that that I need this. I need this. There's something yeah. really going on. There's a drama. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of would I put this on to for a bit of fun? Absolutely not. No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't enjoy listening to this for in the way that I would most of the other sure. songs. Yeah. I mean, it's probably one of those songs though that you go through something and all of a sudden you just pick something up in the lyric and you're like, mm. this is the best, most profound, beautiful song in the world. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this this is talking to me specifically. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. Sometimes you go, you kind of have to go through a bit of shit to kind of appreciate things. And for the most part, it's always better not to appreciate those songs, I found. Well, yeah, if you can go through your life not having to identify with some of this. Right. Okay, so we're into the last song then. Last track. Track number 11. Me and Honey. Don't make me picture that, Dave. So it's a really simple song. It's built like that one little guitar thing, just going round and round, building and building. I fucking love this song. It's incredible. I love this song. This is probably my favourite song. Really? 
That is I think Stipe's vocals on this are astounding. It's incredible, man. Yeah. And Kate Pearson works so well on this. Yeah, in, in, in a way that her backing on Shiny Happy People is very throwaway. Yeah. Her, her work on this is brilliant. Oh my god, that just gives me fucking chills. It, that, yeah, that, this is goosebumps. And, and also, when it goes into this bam into the chorus. That little shuffle underneath yep. it as well. And then back down. Yeah. And it is, it literally is just that guitar yeah. bit. Dun, 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 dun. And it's, it's that moment as well where his voice like just goes almost a bit Hank Williams, doesn't it? It kind of ah. almost it, like on that on that down note, it, it, it almost goes quite generically country. Almost right, I see. Uh, it's just perfect. I mean, like I I read somewhere, and I don't know, don't, I didn't, but I read somewhere that this was a response to a Ten Thousand Maniacs song. Oh, okay, right. Uh, and I, I I literally I read it somewhere, and I didn't fact check it. It's probably. Mm-hmm. Um, that was written about uh, a like a, an unplanned pregnancy, right? Written and that song's written from the woman's perspective, and this song's written from the man's perspective. Oh, I see. Okay, that's, I that's, that's, seen that at all. That's I read that somewhere. I don't know if that's accurate or not, or if someone is yeah interpreting it that way. Okay, but yeah. I kind again this song. I kind of I almost don't want to know what the lyrics are to it because uh-huh. it. It may the the feelings it makes me feel are nothing to do with that story. Okay, sure. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I yeah. just it just makes me smile and it kind of lifts me. I love this fucking song. I can tell so mate. much. I can tell. Love this song. Uh, that's that's so good though. Yeah. I, I love the fact as well that we're obviously fans of this album. Yeah. Right. That hopefully has come through yes. in spades. We are huge fans of let's say. 95% of the songs on here yep. and the other 5% we think are good Yeah, but I love the fact that you have this one in particular yeah. I have probably Belong in yeah. particular There's, that we get something out of those ones that totally different to each other yeah. fucking that's a beautiful thing it's amazing mate beautiful thing okay well this is going to be tough this yeah. bit then we're choosing songs to put onto our ongoing playlist okay it's going to be three songs it has to be three because you could put six on I mean I Right, so you you're gonna go me and honey. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so, gonna go belong. Yeah. Right? Yep. And then you go, right. I mean, it should be losing my religion. Yeah. It should be losing my religion. It doesn't have to be though. It, it doesn't have to be. But it, it it's where you start questioning your own rules. Because we have done big singles off of things before. Yeah. And, you know, like for example, nothing compares to you, we had to have it. Yeah. And I, I find, you know, there's part of me that goes, well, let's find another song so people that haven't heard it can hear it. Right? Yeah. But you know what? Do your own work. <laughs> but I, I, how how do you not pick Losing My Religion? Well, you, you only don't pick it because something else has hit you a little bit harder on this listen. You know, there's a subjectivity and an objectivity. And objectively, yes, it's... An amazing song, pretty much the best thing. Yeah, I mean, but I I would put a case for Half a World Away. Half a World Away is fucking great. It's fucking brilliant, you know. Ah, oh, but then we don't have losing my religion on there. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, 
I think it would be between half a world away and losing my religion. Oh, for you as well, yeah. Yeah, right. I, I think so. Looking at, looking at it, I mean, I I reacted quite strongly to shiny happy people this time around. Oh yeah, but I'm I not, didn't particularly. I'm not going to make the case for that. No. All right, let's go with half a world away then. I think that's a good choice. I see where you're coming from with it, and I yeah, it's incredible. It's fucking incredible. It's amazing. It's great. Let's put it on. Awesome. I'm really chuffed. I think this is. um, I think those are three brilliant picks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them maybe slightly obvious, half world away because it was a big single. It was one they played everywhere. I think the other two putting those on there because they speak to us particularly. Fucking love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Love it. Dude, I've had a blast. This this was fucking fun, man. This was fun. I've enjoyed listening to this. You know, all week. Yeah, I've enjoyed going back to it. It's one of these ones where I went, "Why have I not listened to this since? Why have I not made more of it?" Because other stuff gets in the way. It, we had, it really does. We had to listen to OPM in the nineties. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Look, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I think um, look, we had such a blast listening to stuff that we enjoyed yeah. this week. Why don't we listen to stuff we enjoy again next week? We could, uh, we could do because we mentioned that. Well, basically, next week. Yeah. Uh, in terms of actual the week after REM, Eurythmics, mm-hmm. uh, their greatest hits gets to number one, and it's there for nine weeks. So the next number one that isn't the greatest hits after that is nine weeks away, and it's uh, Seal, his mm-hmm. debut album. But in that nine weeks, there is a ton of stuff that comes out that is nowhere close to number one, right? But could worth be worth talking about. So we could just do a bit of that. All right. So what yeah, we're... It, 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 I think whenever we were going through it, uh, I said to you that. Towards the end of May, mid to end May '91, Primus release "Sailing the Seas of Cheese," nice, and Smashing Pumpkins release "Gish," and oh. I know you're a fucking huge Primus fan. Yep, enormous. And I think "Gish" is one of the best albums of the '90s. All right, well let's uh, well let's do our homework then. Let's come back with a little yeah. report card. Okay. okay. We'll if okay. So next week we'll talk a bit about the Arrhythmics. Yeah. We'll talk a bit about Primus and we'll talk a bit we'll about Smashing like pumpkins. pumpkins. Okay. And we'll so it'll be a different format. It'll be a special episode next week. Sure. Yeah. We'll do this as as a. A bonus-esque one yeah. before we go back into the number ones into Seal. Nice. Okay. Before we break the seal. Break the seal. All right, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, we'll do that for next week. Um, also, just in the meantime, while we're at this point at the end of the show, want to shout out a couple of podcasts. Shout out! Shout out! I should. I wish I had a drop the bomb sound effect. There's, there's a podcast called Dancing About Architecture, which is three guys based up in Manchester, and they do a podcast uh, with... Every so often, Cy Sharp, who was a guest on our Jesus Jones episode. Nice. Every so often, he does one with them. And he did one their one recently. Uh, and they were very uh, complimentary about nice. uh, our own little podcast here. And it's, they are well worth talking about. They fucking know their stuff as well. They really are. I love that. As geeky. well. <laughs> yeah. They are geeky as shit about music, nice, man. They, nice. they get into things. But it's really funny as well. It's really well put together. So, yeah, the Dancing About Architecture podcast. Well Shout worth out checking out. About Architecture. And then also we should give a shout out to um, Crash Bang Wallop. Crash Bang Wallop. Oh uh, yeah, welcome back Phil Jared, back from uh, having a massive five fucking pound lump removed from your stomach. Yeah. Crash Bang Wallop, if you don't listen to it, it's it's one of my favourite podcasts, it certainly. It's so funny. It's it basically, it, it's all about uh, things that go wrong. It's disasters. Disasters, basically. So you've got things like the Hindenburg, you've got things like the Zeebrugge Ferry, right? Yeah. Uh, and, but then you've also got kind of uh, like corporate disasters. Yeah, like, indeed, New Coke. They did yeah, want to 
WK and yeah. the Tesla, not yeah, no, no, Ed, Edsel, the Edsel, yeah, Ford Edsel, Edsel yeah, that, yeah, and the uh, and like for Ger- uh, Gerard Ratner tanking yeah, his well, entire own indeed. business. But it, it's meticulously researched. Both Phil and Phil are hilarious people. Uh, the yeah, podcast I, is bang on. I, I I laugh out loud the whole way through, and, and you learn stuff. I know that I don't like so much. I, I, don't, I don't like learning not such a stuff. big fan of the educational side of things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Phil, Phil and Phil, they both know their shit. Yeah, and Phil Lucas is, I believe, uh, an anal retentive. <laughs> Yeah, well, indeed. If you uh, get into a conversation with him about trains or planes, you might not get away for a while. No, you're gonna be you're gonna be there for some time. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, we're, they, and they are always uh, you know very complimentary about us as well. Yeah. So, so thank yeah, you guys. Down, download their podcast if you're looking for something new to listen to. Um, just want to shout out as well. I mentioned him last week. Rob Mulholland has an opinion. That's the podcast from uh, my friend Rob Mulholland. Uh, absolutely fantastic stand-up comedian uh, from the north, currently living down here in Brighton. The, the north, just in general. The north. The Fuck north. It. He's from Yorkshire he'll fucking be sad if we don't say Yorkshire Um, but I did uh, an episode uh, of his podcast while I was up in Edinburgh about ADHD Rob thinks he's got ADHD we had a chat about whether we thought he was right or not Uh, I've definitely got ADHD (laughs) got the piece of paper that says it Um, so yeah that came he dropped that this week so go and check that one out leave him some feedback leave him uh, a review tell him we sent you basically yeah. um, what we'll do is also we'll put links to all of these in the description of this podcast so you can click through yeah we will definitely oh yeah we, yeah, we Krista will Krista says we he will he does everything <laughs> at the end he said when he says we it was produced by us it was all produced by Krista well, you he know. does all of this stuff man I just I literally I do fuck all uh, I've got the, I provide the you, dog you provide and the, the dog and exactly the, the studio studio <laughs> which you bought all the equipment for anyway <laughs> right um, ladies yeah but and okay cool done that was wonderful Really enjoyed that. Yeah. We'll see you next time for some Primus, some Eurythmics, and some Smashing Pumpkins. Lovely stuff. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time. See you soon, guys. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter, at PCL Podcast. On Instagram, also at PCL Podcast. And Facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com.